All right. Welcome back to another episode of Table Talks, where deeper conversations are something highly sought after but rarely explored. And I have here with me my co-host, Alyssa, and Brandon. Hi, pumpkins. Hey, y'all. I love the little high pumpkins. That was it is great. spooky season, everybody. I know it's only September, but fuck that. It's spooky season. I love it. I love it. I love the and high my, pumpkins. My, my hello wasn't great. Okay, I'm sorry. Thanks. I wasn't expecting the like high pumpkins. And I was like, oh, I love it. I love it. All right. So we're jumping into tea time right off the bat. Our big tea time this week is the fact that Table Talks is officially going to be on its own platform. Oh, I love that. That that was nice. <laughs> nice job. Um, so Alyssa, you got any uh, any other tea for us? You got any Me? tea? No, no tea. I mean, I've been learning a little bit this week. All right, all right. Share. Do share. I am learning a little bit more about the male versus female gaze. Ooh. All right, all right. Give me enlighten me here because I'm not. You're learning. I'm gonna be learning. So enlighten me a little bit about you know what this really means and our listeners. Okay, so male versus female gaze is all about like the perspective, especially as a spectator. For example, like in movies, as the theory originates in film, the idea is that a piece of media has three potential male spectators: the filmmaker, the male characters in it, and the view watching the f- viewer watching the film. I really like this because uh, a TikTok video came across my my for you page, and I had sent it over to you because we were discussing this topic, and I like had no idea what male and female gaze was like truly. Like I never really understood the concept, I guess. And then after this one video came across my feed, and it was talking specifically about like Thor and Loki, and I was like, "Whoa!" I didn't ever anticipate that like they were viewed that way, but like. That's exactly how I viewed both Thor and Loki. Like, can you, do you remember the video I sent you? Yes. Yeah. Can you explain it better? Because I feel like I'm like, no, you can't. All right. I'll try to explain it. So, like, Thor is, like, what guys think that women want. Um, The muscles and, like, the big, like, main character. But, like, in reality, like, females more or less gravitate more towards, like, a Loki. Um, And they don't find... Loki to be such a like dominating power either like yeah. males find them more as like equals like it's Loki like, is like an equal versus like Thor is like someone that they have to like try to in the dating outdo. perspective I feel like it's about the pursuit mm. like Loki is definitely women are more able to pursue Loki he seems mm. more approachable um he has his own like creative tendencies like I love a guy that wears, like, nail polish or makeup, like, it's not afraid to do your own thing. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, Thor is just somebody to look at. Yeah, Thor, like, and I'm sorry, but, like, us women don't just always want something nice to look at because eventually, like, your looks are going to fade, especially, like, with time. Like, that stuff all, like, disappears. Like, you, yeah. you want something with a little more, like, substance. I do feel like my view is, like, male gaze is a little bit more, like, hypersexualized mm-hmm. um, versus female gaze, which is usually, like, focused on more of the fine details, like, hands and the way they move or, like, what they're touching. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny that you say that because, like, I'm thinking of Thor and Loki and those, like, roles. And Thor is very much wearing, like, you know, it's not like he's wearing a very revealing outfit, but he's wearing something that's tight-knit along his body so it shows off his muscle and then he's it's, like, tank top so like it's got like his muscles are out but like Loki's outfit is it it covers a lot of his body it's more like it's more realistic if you think about it 
like versus it's not about the the hypersexualization for Loki. I think All right. I, I, I have something I want to add because you're, you're talking about using that Thor and Loki and you're uh, talking about a lot of the physical attributes, mm. but I think it goes a lot deeper than that. And I think what Thor represents and possibly why guys, you know, assume that that's what girls want. Thor represents heroic. And some of what you're saying, even though, yeah, you're pointing out the physical attributes, he's heroic in more than just the physical attributes. Like he's, he, you know, saves the, the girl and he saves this town in the first movie or whatever it is. And then, um, you know, to, to go a little deeper than like surface level, it's like the reason why it might not, or you might kind of push away from hero or heroic, I think it's cause it's, it's perfection. It's like, and, and I think, that's a good point actually. I didn't think about Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, I, like, I don't want to be with somebody that's perfect. Like, and I think guys have this weird way that we kind of created our scale, our system. So, like, we want someone who's beautiful, you know, and we also want someone with a good personality. Because, and some people will, or guys that I know of that I've had conversations with, not all guys, of course. Like, some guys are like, yeah, I know she's not, you know, a 10. She's probably like a 5 or a 6. But, dude, I have so much fun when I'm with her. And that's why you're attracted to her. In, in a way, that's kind of like the Loki. It's like that person represents, you know, a, a a version that you can attain to. He's not going to, he's not perfect. He doesn't always, you know. Do the right thing. Doesn't always do the right thing. Mm, that's true. Um, he I does. about that. And, and like those character flaws are what we are attracted to. We are attracted to the imperfections. That's why like the whole idea of a utopia scares me. I'm like, why does that sound entertaining? Like, okay, so every every day I'm happy and every day and That I, sounds pretty boring too if you think about exactly. it. Like, uh, you know, like a Thor seems like real like not realistic. It like you said like more heroic, so it seems so like perfect and utopia and he's always going to do, you know, but you have to remember like in that perfection he's going to always choose the right thing versus like Loki may not always choose the right thing. He may choose what matters most yeah. to him. And I feel like Thor is like one dimensional versus mm-hmm. Loki who has two, three dimensions. Yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely, I didn't, and I didn't really think about like yeah. the, the surface, like the, it's very surface level. Like Thor is very surface level versus like Loki is much more like rounded out as like an individual. And, and like besides even the, the idea of like, it, like the romantic idea, like that's why I'm attracted or, or not. I think the reason why like male or female can look at, Thor and Loki as an example and kind of feel closer to Loki is because Loki, because he doesn't always do the right thing because he has flaws. It's like, that's, that's what I live. And I want you to succeed because I want to know that like I can make a mistake and still overcome it. I can still at the end of the day, like that's why in all of the movies, even though Loki's like the trickster screwing over the Thor around every corner, the last thing he does I think every movie, at least the ones that I saw, is an action that helps out Thor in the end. Mm. Like he did it, um, even with the the Tesseract. He like he died in uh, Thanos's hands because he was trying to like protect the the thing. Like that was to save for the greater Thor, good, right? Yeah. So like we see all those you know human characteristics, and like that is a a, a realistic heroic. Right. Person versus exactly. Thor, who's just heroic. So whether you're thinking about you know. Uh, or looking at, you know, options as a romantic, you know, vision, or you're putting yourself into both of those roles. And maybe I was able to, Mm. to kind of make that connection because I see two guys as like, I must 
fit into one of these molds versus, you know, um, like the, the other ones when we, when we were talking about some of the prep for the show, I think the other example, and I'm sorry if I'm blowing up your spot, but, uh, was Harley Quinn. And there's yeah, two, no, depict- that's a great transition. Thanks. I was like, all right, how are we going to transition to like the female gaze here? I actually want to ask a question. I have oh, not I actually it, yeah. seen the Thor and Loki movie. Okay. So. <laughs> um, but in that movie, what are the female characters portrayed as? Are they a part of the film? Are they just kind of like that male perspective where they're part of the, the plot? It's not her own. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one with, the Thor movie, the girl is uh, a human uh, on planet Earth or whatever, mm. and she's a scientist. Yeah, and it's and very like that's like very real. Like that to me felt really like very realistic. And they show her like with her dad and her sister, mm-hmm. and they're doing like all they're chasing storms and like all these things, and like that felt. And she's dressed in like a cardigan and, and jeans oh, and like something so like she that. Had so character development. She was so much character development because then eventually she becomes like Thor's wife. So mm-hmm. like you have to see like her entire character development through the films. It's like really oh, interesting. Yeah, no, they did. I think Marvel Universe did a really good job of actually. I think some of the female characters can be like hypersexualized, but then they have like the character development is so much there that like you you get to learn so much more about them. They're not just this hypersexualized like person. You you learn all the back background and things like that. I think that's what's important. Like you can I truly believe it's like if you're making a movie, you know you're gonna get certain number of viewers by hypersexualizing, but you're gonna get viewers to come to your movie. You're not going to keep them watching the next movie, the next movie, if it's only about sexualized. Because, mm-hmm. like, for as a guy, if I see Harley Quinn all sexualized, looks good and everything, it's like, cool, I'll check out this movie. I'm not paying attention to the plot. I don't give a shit about this, you know, dynamic. A Marvel universe and, and having crossover movies and everything wouldn't have existed. Mm. It's what they've done so well at Marvel and some other, you know, franchises and such is building the character. So it doesn't matter how sexualized that person is, what has kept people in and what's allowed them to succeed is their emphasis on um, the character development. So mm-hmm. yeah, they might have brought in, especially with like Black Widow. Like, I was going to say sure. Black Widow's Black Widow's very sexualized, but she's also like she's got a lot of brains. Like she, she brings the one piece, like the, the one the one black. Like it's like a one. It's like a skin one, type. Yeah, skin type black. Like all that, but like it's also because she's a trained assassin. So like you, mm-hmm. she is that way because of her background and right. like they touched and like her new the, the newest movie that came out with Black Widow was I think in May and that video like that leads into all of her character development and why she does what she does within and throughout all of the Marvel films mm-hmm. but she's not she's not sexualized to the point that like they like make comments about it you know what i mean or like the the camera is only looking at her body like the right. camera is like following her story and like she has so much personality and i mean but that's also scarlett johansson what, as well as well, a very good actor yeah. so she brings a lot of that to the table and but like there's so much depth to Black Widow more than just the hypersexualization. I mean, I feel like if you want to bring the opposite, looking at Transformers, the first movie, mm. Megan Fox is mm-hmm. the epitome of the male gaze in that film. You know, she's bent over a car in a mini skirt, hair beautiful, falling in her face. She they're, Tight they're, little red top. They're panning her entire body. Mm-hmm. You don't even see the engine of the car in that film. Like, do not see it at all in that scene. Well, 
here's a little like devil's advocate why they may not have shown the engine is because technically it wasn't a car it was a transfer but that's besides the point um no what the, the actual point that i that i want to to like discuss because this is more so about like the male female gaze um i think that's a perfect representation that transformers trilogy or whatever it was with how the viewers portrayed a you know undeveloped character that people were going to the theaters for megan Man fox, fox. Okay, awesome. You get your views. You get your... Uh, the first two movies had Megan Fox. It got a lot of views. The third movie, which I thought it was a, actually a well-written movie. Like, the plot was pretty exciting. It was pretty entertaining. But all of the viewers, even though the the new, you know, love interest or character, whatever, lead, was beautiful as well, it wasn't Megan Fox, and that's what they and hooked she their audience. And she wasn't hypersexualized either. Exactly. In that third movie, the, the, the new character, his new love interest, is not sexualized whatsoever. Very little. Yeah, because she's like a business professional. Like, yeah, so she, she's in like business clothing, or yeah. like she's in like scrubs, like running around, like jeans and a, mm-hmm. a tank top, and like a t shirt, I think. Yeah. I don't even think it's a tank top. I think it's just a t shirt. Which, like, which goes to show you, it's like. What why Marvel did so well is the character development. You you can bring in eyes, you can bring in the viewers with a sexualized person, but you're not going to create a good film. Like I don't think uh, that third one, especially in comparison to other like trilogies that try to like force out extra movies, is as bad as it got you know reviews for. I I think I think a lot of it was just because you know the upset about oh no more Megan Fox. I don't want to watch this. It's like. So it goes to show. It's like, yeah, you can bring in some people with those sexualized characters. Because like one of the points with uh, Scarlett Johansson and and uh, Black Widow was like the skin tight, all black, but she's an assassin. So the skin tight is for flexibility to move around, so nothing gets hooked or snagged. You know who else is like that? Black Panther mm-hmm. and um, even Iron Man, who's technically a bulkier version of a human. It's still a sleek, you know. Look or think to of it. Captain America. Like his outfit is skin tight. S- Captain America. So it's like, yeah, I mean, and come on, you've never heard or said yourself, Captain America's butt is nice. The Steve oh, Rogers, it's, 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 you've at least ca- heard it's, of it's these America's memes. ass, everyone. Like, like, come on. My point. Sorry, sorry. So it's like, <laughs> not helping my cause. <laughs> so, yes, we are going to sexualize people. It brings in views, but you're not, there's no point. You're not going to keep them. Yeah. Like, which is what I think film industries are learning. So, like, you know, I, I do th- see the problem in over-sexualizing, especially, you know, a lot of poor treatment of, you know, women throughout history or film history or whatever it is. I totally understand that. And I totally think, you know, we but shouldn't that- o- only do that. But I think the only way to change a company's mind, like a corporate mind, is to show them how money is applied. Because they don't, act, like, you can be, you know, so virtuous, so PC, and, and want change, and want change, and want change, and try to tell that company to change, change, change. They're not going to change until their dollar gets affected. As soon as their dollar gets affected, or they see how others are more successful, that's how we can change history. That's how we can rewrite how movies are made. And I wanted to go back to something that you said about, like, how women have been, like, kind of underperformed in a lot of ways, or, or underthought in a yeah. lot of ways, and bring that around to the fact of, like how much those films influence women and the way we dress and the what the mm-hmm. things that we do in order to yeah. gain the, the male perspective or gain that that male validation in a way. Oh my gosh, growing up as a teenager watching Megan Fox in that yeah. miniskirt, do you think I wasn't wearing that to like middle school and high school? Yeah, absolutely. Like trying to wear the short tight skirts with the tighter tank tops and things like that. I mean, my mother never would have let me walk out of the house like that, but like I saw a lot of that and I was like, wow, like 
you know, I'm thinking for going forward, like I want, I don't want the girls that like are below me and, and young women growing up nowadays to see those things and then be like, oh, that's how I have to be. I would rather have characters like Black Widow or the new Harley Quinn, not the, not the original Harley Quinn, but the new one and see that it's more about who you are as a person, not about what you're wearing. I think a great example of the opposite is Alex Cooper. I only listen to her audio. You got to assume, you know, based off of some of the stories in the in the early episodes that she's at least attractive if she's, you know, had dated a professional athlete. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's not that I'm looking at her. I, I You could make whatever assumptions. And looking at where she's got to, what point she's got to now, and she's a... She's fucking amazing. She's like someone that I honestly kind of look up to call her daddy in, in Alex Cooper. But I think that's the that's because of the growth that Alex Cooper has gone through. She's gone through being like this like over and she did to herself. She like very over sexualized herself to pre- create content and bring in all of these viewers because, you know, women were going through the same things like going out on dates, dating professionals, whether, you know, whether it's professional athletes or just like businessmen or anything of that nature she was bringing in those aspects and that that her perspective and but she grew to not just bring on now she's bringing on bigger stars and the latest episode that I had listened to which isn't her newest one out was one with a a comedy woman who is very large in the industry and I wish I could remember her name um but she um the, the comedy actress talks about like very much the differences that male and, and females like go through overall. And she makes, she makes jokes about it in her comedy skits and things like that, which I thought was like, wow, okay. You went from being this like over-sexualized human to actually bringing on guests that are like offering the view of like, Hey, like, you know, men don't have it all and women don't have it all. And like, let's make jokes about it. Or, you know, like men are super sexualized and so are women. So like, let's make jokes about it and like, enjoy the fact that like both of us are having struggles. And so she's like, to me, at least the episode felt as though she was like promoting this idea of like equality and like working towards both of them, both of seeing both of us that way, like not, not working towards like a, you know, oh, you're better than I am because we both have... I'm Like women empowerment? Almost towards, like, women empowerment, but also, like, not the negative sides of women empowerment. Like, and I I feel like it was more about, like, empowerment as a whole. Like, both men and women have attributes and traits that are qualities that, no matter if you're male or female, like, people look up to. Does that make sense? Well, that is how I view... Alex Cooper, right? I, I literally like she business is business mogul. Like that's she's all one I of think the most about. Remarkable people, and and I was feeling that way. Like as soon as they kind of signed for Barso, and I started following them, it because she was always the one posting the YouTube or like holding the camera the whole time in the YouTube videos mm. on those extra vlog series, the extra content. I'm like, I feel like it's always Alex. Like she's got a fucking good mind, like a motivated mind. She's pushing right. herself. She's driven. Um, real quick, the two comedians she had on back to back was Chelsea Handler and Tiffany Haddish. I think it was Chelsea, Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler is amazing. I think it was Chelsea yeah. Handler. That's who I, that's who I had that the episode that I listened to because I listened to it on the way to the beach. That was, yeah. Chelsea Handler's always been that like that and about women empowerment. Like I used to watch her late night show and it was the same way. What, what's so amazing, not only is, I mean, Alex Cooper's like the, you know, woman empowerment of my lifetime, I I think of many lifetimes, like she's really in such a remarkable way shown so much because it's like, it's kind of like what uh, a lot of the feminist movement was trying to work towards is like, we want to be viewed as people that can reach that success. 
Yeah, not, and we not can, that you have and to, we but can, you can. Yeah. You have the option to become the top podcaster, to you know, be driven, be motivated, have a career, have a, you know, a, right now I think she still has a boyfriend. I, I don't truly know. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been keeping to the up. New but it's like she is reaching all these feats. Even the way she was able to get into Barstool, use Barstool to launch her career. From there, she took on a deal with Spotify, which she was the second big signing after Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. Like that. Your so name's think, in history. So to think that like she ranks just as high as Joe Rogan does. Yeah. And and like to 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 feel that sort of as, you know, a young female looking up. I want to wrap back around to we talked a lot about male gaze, but we didn't really touch upon a lot of like we touched a little bit about the female gaze, but I want to like come back around to that. Um Alyssa, do you have anything to say for female gaze? Um I think Vampire Diaries mm-hmm. had a really good one. I mean, I, I love Nevertheless as well. I don't think um, I've seen that. It's a, I believe it's a K drama. It's oh, okay. brand new. It's so good. Okay, you just, I, I, I can't even give any spoilers. Like, you just have to watch it. It is about relationships. Okay, um, it is amazing, but it's very focused on like female gaze in film. And it is picking up on those fine details, mm. the touch on like your neck or like the grip in his hands when he's mm-hmm. doing something. Like he's a welder and an artist and you watch him work with the art. Mm. Mm. It's just, yes, exactly. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I don't Audio, even know. ASMR for you guys. But yeah, no, I, when you touched upon the Vampire Diaries and you had sent me that TikTok and I very much was like, oh, wow, like the the difference between the first video that we watched, which was about like the Megan Fox and the way that they panned her body versus the Vampire Diaries where uh, Elena's like laying in bed and just watching Damon in the corner and he's just like spinning a glass and they're, you're not even focused on any part of his body you're focused on the way that he's moving a glass like the way he's spinning something in his hands and I'm gonna call you out a little bit here I'm sorry um I know I'm (laughs) but you're very much like a ring person like you when you see like videos of guys I know I'm sorry I I told you somebody on TikTok who just wears rings and he grabs book spines and it is oh oh my god it's wonderful (laughs) but that's but that's why I was like I'm gonna call you out a little bit here because like I know that like that's a thing and like so that's but that's like a fine detail for you. I mean, if you want to bring personal experience, like when I picture sex, I actually don't picture like the bits and pieces. I I see body parts and mm. like those movements. Yeah, it's, the, it's yeah. very female gaze in my head. Yeah, I love that. Because um, I never really thought that that's the way, and I was like, oh wow, no. Yeah, like, like that's I'm not just. Definitely... I don't see like the whole view. Like I don't see two people and their bodies moving together. I see like. The arm, the grab of the thigh. Like, I see mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's actually... And I love female-directed porn. That shit is great. Especially, like, couples and stuff. You oh, see, like, yeah. the realistic side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, the, okay, I'm going to add, like... Okay, maybe I'm taking this a little too far, but I'm going to ask anyway. When you're watching porn, like, is it... Are you looking for, like, real porn or are you looking for, like, more acted porn? Does that make sense? Uh, it definitely depends on my mood. Okay, that's fair. No, absolutely. That's I, mean, why I was just, I'm just curious because I was like, I was having this conversation with someone the other day and like we had talked about it and their view is very much like, no, it needs to be like more like real life, like real intimacy. Like I love not- both for different reasons. Like I said, okay. it is a mood thing. Like sometimes I just want like my kinks or like a fetish mm, or something like that. That's something fair. super specific. I also don't really enjoy homemade because no, ugh. I never know what I'm getting and then the quality and everything. Yeah, same. But 
I love the couple ones because there is like that. It's just a bed. It's a shower. It's wherever. It's like they lay the scene out. And it, it just sound, it's much more realistic. It's yeah. not as acted. She's not like, uh-huh. Yeah. Like, it's very true, and it's not as reactive. Like, the facial expressions aren't, like, really Faked. pronounced. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. I was just curious, because I know that, like, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I definitely feel the same way. Um, that I'm, I'm much more like a, like, it has to be more real than it is not and I can honestly say that like porn is not the first thing I go to my first it's my imagination and then yeah it's my imagination and then it's my erotica and then if that doesn't work I put on like an ASMR like sex podcast and then after that then I'll go to porn if that none of that's doing it for me anyway uh, that got way off topic from like the female let's bring it back to Harley Quinn yeah bring (laughs) bring it right back to Harley Quinn um I loved the the two pictures that you you sent for our, our show notes today was like Harley Quinn in her first movie and then like Harley Quinn in her second movie. I do want to touch upon the fact like the origins of Harley Quinn like as far as her her outfit. Mm-hmm. She started off in like a one piece leotard like in the I think it's the cartoons. The comics. The comics. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but like in Suicide Squad which is the first picture that I sent you it is very like fem- uh, male gaze. I think you have the pigtails. You have this shirt that literally says daddy's, like, little monster or something like that. Yeah, it's very sexualized. You can see that a man, like, dressed her. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, the second one is very much, like, her and, like, like, the jean shorts are way longer. Like, they go down, like, mid-thigh versus, like, the other ones you can't, like, they they look like underwear. Yeah, and I mean, I would honestly argue that some of the outfits in Birds of Prey, the second movie, are maybe more risque but she's like having fun with it it doesn't seem like a, a man dressed her yeah she what is it it was like a caution tape like a police tape shredded up jacket <laughs> i was like that is a vibe like <laughs> i'm living for it like that's so cool because she can just express her style in her own way she's not worried about what anyone else is thinking she's just having fun yeah yeah i'm, I'm looking over at the the two images you guys are discussing and one of the funny things because you guys are explaining like uh in the female gaze she has more of jeans on and the male gaze she has on more of like a leotard um one of the things that i quickly caught eye as you guys were talking about that is if you look at it where the jeans kind of end and where the um uh more tight i don't know what their underwear yeah kind of ends isn't far that isn't that much of a difference but what is a big difference in what does uh, like trigger the you know male gaze versus the female gaze is that the the size of the actual article of clothing Mm -hmm. so the the leotard or whatever with with their fishnets it is shorter so even though they rest around the same point it's like an optical illusion where it's like it looks like she's wearing less whereas this one with the jeans because their jeans are going higher and it it goes up to her belly button and she has them really pulled up. They're like high-waisted instead of like the like low cut right at the waist. You're line. still kind of getting the same amount of leg, if you will. Um, it, but like because it looks bigger, it doesn't look as sexualized. Which yeah. is like, I mean, Margot Robbie's fucking gorgeous. And, Absolutely. And both of these yeah. pictures are like, I mean, whoa. Even, even take the pigtails though. They're like long in the first picture where it's like male gaze. Mm-hmm. So pullable. That's the immediate, yeah, immediate thing with pigtails. Oh, she's cute. It's girly. I'm gonna she, pull I on can it. pull on it. Yeah. Her pigtails know. are actually shorter in Birds of Prey. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, it's I those small I'd... details that like a female pick up. Yeah. If absolutely. I if I like am comparing them and 
rating them. And this is so you can get the male perspective. Feel free to critique. Um, I do see, like, I do agree. Like, I'm looking at the longer pigtails, and I like them better. I don't like pigtails regardless, or, like, that's not really my thing. So neither of them are what, like, draws my attention. So I never really thought of that. But it is funny because I do agree. Like, I think the longer pigtails, for some reason, is more Guys attractive. love long hair. I, yeah, guys You really cut do. your hair, Definitely. and it's like, why? Yeah, well, well, oh, Josh, instantly. you shave the side of your head, but I think that is a cool... Like, I like that look a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love my look. I also think you're very but, open-minded and, like, kind of with yeah. it. <laughs> when you were talking about Alex Cooper, like, you were so open, and you were like, she can have a future, she's got growth, character development, like... You said all of that, but you also kind of sounded like it was like a vision, like a way to survive. And I couldn't help but question like, okay, but was she, did she grow up like that? Who taught her that that was how she was supposed to act to be able to get the male gaze, the audience and attract that stuff? Because like, I know growing up, I constantly was worried about what other guys were thinking about me and like looking at me. And I was taught really early to like be on the defensive about it. Yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So in, in, well, my dad always said, like, the first thing, when I first started taking the bus and having to, like, walk to the bus stop, my dad's thing was, don't ever walk with your head down. Keep your head up. Don't look at the ground. Be always aware of your surroundings because you never know who's going to be coming up on you. Oh. And don't walk with, the, don't ever walk with your headphones in. You better always have them just around your neck with full volume up. That was, my dad had always taught me that. It was the, mm. be on the defensive. It, and, like, so a lot of things that you guys are bringing up and, and just your, you know, history or just being you and being a girl growing up it was so different and one of the things and this is probably kind of uh giving a little more detail into to your point because i am very open um i see humans as humans i like even even when i'm you know romantically interested i'm like you're still a human and that in fact that's usually the box that doesn't get checked it's like you're kind of boring human so i don't really want to proceed here um but like because I've been able to see all humans as humans, you had that struggle growing up, and that's not easy to, to grow up with. I think men had some struggles growing up, or I think it's more because, like, as a teacher, I see it like, like, I remember being in middle school or whatever and, like, feeling these ways. Now it's like I can see how obvious, like, all of their actions are, but you're, I don't see it in the girls that, that are, like, growing up. It's like I know that, in your mind, you're wicked nervous right now. Cause like, if I was in your shoes, I would be wicked nervous. And I think there's like, and, and you can put that across the board against every race, ethnicity, gender, whatever it is. It's like, everyone has this weird internal battle and it kind of goes into the theme of this episode is perspective. You have a perspective that you don't even realize. Everyone has a perspective of themselves and they're always so nervous. And like, I, I feel bad, especially, like, as a girl, because, like, my stuff was more about shame. Like, I didn't want to be offended or put down or, like, you know, lose my social status. Like, that was very important to me as growing up. You had to worry about, like, actually being abducted or something, like, yeah. like I, I that is crazy. You but. were even able to kind of have that shame by yourself, it kind of sounded like, where, like, a girl would be publicly shamed. Yeah. And again, I like I don't have an experience of that. I can't no, say no. yes or no. Experiences are valid, but it's um, just it's interesting to see the difference between usually males and females versus like 
when they're growing up. Absolutely. And what they're taught. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, I know when I I gave the example of, like, walking with, like, my – I don't ever walk with, like, two headphones on. When I go for runs, it's, like, I bought Apple AirPods specifically so when I was running, I could have one headphone in and I wasn't running with my bows on and couldn't hear shit. I said this to the guy that I'm seeing and he was, like – and I gave my perspective of, like, yeah, I I always have that one headphone in because I have to constantly be aware of danger around me and, like – the fact of like, oh, is someone running up on me because they're like running as well? Or are they running up on me to run me down and like catch me? Like, and he was like, oh my God, I've never even, that thought has never crossed my mind. I just always was like, no, I just want to be aware of my surroundings. And I was like, that's because you're a male. You don't have Mm -hmm. to worry about the fact that someone could be coming up on you. Yeah. And mine goes right hand in hand. I mean, I know I've told you, Joss, but I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I remember walking home. I think I was maybe like middle school, early high school stage, probably middle school. I had one headphone in, I was walking home from the bus stop, and I started to hear a car. And they didn't drive by, and I live on a dead end. I was like, who is this? I immediately started freaking out, my anxiety, my heart was racing. I ran to the nearest neighbor, because that is my what my mother told me. She mm-hmm. said, Absolutely. if you get nervous, you think someone's going to kidnap you or abduct you, go to the nearest neighbor's door. Do not don't, come home. Yeah, don't go, and never go to your house if someone's following you. Go to go to the neighbor's houses, like a few, few houses down. And the worst part was, is that it was the mailman. I looked back and it was the mailman. I was like, fuck. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's funny so in the traumatizing. End. But right, right, it's right. In the end, you can look at it and laugh and like hindsight, but like, you, well, like in the moment. Yeah, in See, the moment, you're, you're, you're petrified. And like you said, your anxiety is really high. You go into that like, okay, I have to fight or flight right now. And like, what are my options? What do I got to do? grew up in like the age of like, it's 10 o'clock. Where do you know where your kids are at? Like, yeah. We watched videos in school, I remember, like, mm-hmm. of abduction mm-hmm. or, like, what is it, pedophiles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you, it was a constant worry. It was always addressed. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, like, so at, from my, like, comic background and, and my love for it and everything, it's, like, this is why I kind of encourage, like, even if it seems like something you can't joke about, because that is a traumatizing situation. But when you can revisit it and, and re-see what was going on, you can kind of laugh about it, but you also learn from that situation. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people that are probably listening that probably had similar situations, similar things. Like maybe they ran from their aunt that they thought it was, you know. Some random stranger they because they got a quick look and just kept going. Yeah. Or or maybe even a family member who got a new car and you just didn't even, who's this car parked in the drive? And you freaked out and you ran over to your neighbors and your mom was home waiting for you. And like, now it's funny, but it's like, it's also important because it, it points out a, a, a thing that's been in society that, like, otherwise, if we're not joking about it or we're not talking about it, like, so many people are just going to continue to experience that. Yeah. But now people can kind of, like, go, wow, that was, like, I did the right thing. I did what my mom always told me to do, and I was safe because of it. And, yeah, maybe you were safe because it was a mailman, but you were also safe because you followed instructions and, and you did what was best for you in that moment, and you ran over to the neighbors, and then you looked back, and... Probably, I'm sure you didn't laugh about that until today. I thought I was getting murdered. Exactly. <laughs> and I bet <laughs> no even joke. after you figured out it was a mailman, you're like, but there could be another car. There, like, Oh, absolutely. Other, I other took my headphones that, out immediately. I yeah. was like, never again. Right, right. Yeah, so exactly. That leads into like the experience for the rest of your life. Right. You decided that now whenever you're walking, like headphones are not an option. Which, and, and again... Table Talks, such an amazing platform that, that you're you're building up here is it shows like, again, people have similar experiences and they are 
okay to laugh at later on. Maybe that's the, how you are able to reflect back on that moment. Maybe or cope with the moment too as, yeah. as time goes on. Look back and, and laugh versus like looking back and being like, oh my God, I was terrified. But regardless if you're laughing or if you're serious revisiting that that moment, when you share it with people, you can kind of relieve some of that stress, some of that anxiety of that moment and like have a, a, a better moment so that even though you already learned from it, you can learn more from it. Yeah, because yeah. absolutely. I mean, I journaled about this this week and I'm on working, I'm reading a book called The Magic and it's like 28 days of like basically like gratitude towards all these things. And one of the things is to write 10 gratitude things every morning. And one of the things that I wrote about was you, Alyssa. Um, I said, I'm, I'm going to say this on air. And I was like, these are only supposed to be my journal, but it's fine. I'm grateful for Alyssa because she offers me the safety, the space to how did I phrase it? I'm grateful for Alyssa because she offers an open ear and a safe space to have really hard conversations. I'm going to need a button for my heart because I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> smiling ear to ear. But like oh, I wish I had one. But like that's kind of the thing that like you and I, I think, really want to promote with Table Talks. When I look back at like our, our previous conversation before this even got started when we were like just, you know, manifesting it and ideaing it. That's not really a word. <laughs> Sorry. But um, I was like the fact that we just offer so much safe space for each other. And I think that's what I want to promote here as well as like to have these hard open conversations about things that like can be really traumatizing and in a moment, but like also know that if you have someone that offers you a safe space in any way, like take a step further into that safe space with whoever that is and like have a harder conversation because I'm sure that just because they be, once someone offers you a safe space in one topic, they're probably going to offer you that safe space in any topic you really want to talk about. And I think that's something that our friendship has offered me, at least personally. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I love starting the dialogue. I'm like super happy and ready to have our Instagram going because I want to talk to the audience and just yeah. like, what are you guys doing? And what do you need? You know, give that advice and support and have that open space. It's not no judgment. You yeah. know, everyone's background is different. And like, I understand that, for example, not everyone is, you know, has sex education. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other episode. But <laughs> yeah, we can we can definitely make that an episode topic. I like that. But like, not everyone has that, and so like, I'd rather be that person where there's no judgment. I'm not giggling because you're asking me about like a vibrator. Like, I'll tell you all the information. If that's I'll tell you me, all the good I'll ones. I'll take you. Yeah, exactly. I, I took you. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> I don't think that was the first time. No, it wasn't. No, no, the first time well, like, you did. I think you actually were the first person to take me to my to a sex store for the first time. Because I was, I was nervous. I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. But but I like, was nervous, and we've all been there. And, yeah. like, hey, I don't want to order my toy online. Like, let's just walk in and just have a dialogue. And, like, hey, yeah. what do you like? What don't you like? And what scares you about this? Are you nervous? And just guide you through those moments. Yeah. I want to be that space for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. And, like, you know, pushing those conversations to start, I think that was where I felt like, probably within that moment was kind of where for me like the safe space had opened up really like we had always been pretty like open about our conversations up until that point but I think that was probably like the tipping point where I could be like okay I can have a deeper conversation with her about sex and it's not weird like some people I like go to have or have had try to have that deeper conversation about like hey like what do you like in the bedroom people are like Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, no, you do know. Like, you have sex, right? Like, you do know. You just don't want to have that open conversation and dialogue about it. But, like, I mean, through you and I, like, I know I've learned a lot about, like, 
trying new things in the bedroom and, and offering that space for me and my spouse to try those new things just because it's something that like, hey, I might like it. I might like looking at it in a porno, but like when I'm actually doing the act, I may not actually enjoy it. And I think you and I had 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 that conversation previously and I was able to like bring that to my relationship and say, hey, look, like this is nice to look at, but like I don't think I want that for my relationship. Or how to go about it. Yeah. About it. Yeah, exactly. Even the, the forefront of like, how do I have this conversation? Like this is a hard awkward weird conversation like how do I even bring it up I mean we've been through plenty of awkward conversations oh God, so at some many. point to give some advice yeah yeah definitely I will say and in, in, you know just looking at I mean the audience and everything like this is such a even though it's you know the two of you talking and you guys have this you know emphasis on sex and talking about sex which is also a great thing that you guys do and you're kind of saying like we need to have more conversation about sex. I think, in a way, girls need to have more conversation about sex. But looking at some of the past episodes, a lot of them aren't really, like, we'll mention things about sex, but we're not necessarily talking about sex. We're talking about important things. Mm-hmm. Most important aspect of that whole thing is that we are communicating. And I will say... I think that's the baseline. I will say I have felt the safety that you have developed you guys created this safety this great space to communicate over years and in my quick couple episodes that I've been part of this like I feel that same safety and security and and I've been able to explore which like I haven't I don't really care about you know the sex stuff like I'm not even focused on it in in my world so to me I, I can just go right past it but I feel safe enough to communicate some of the things that like I know I otherwise like you know, I have these thoughts and, and I know that they're maybe not correct. Maybe they're not PC or maybe they um, are, are just like malformed or not fully developed or whatever. I've been able to express all of them and they've only been met with, you know, proper feedback where it's like you the right amount of critique. A lot of I, that's why I preface it. Like I, I get Alyssa's look right at me and I'm like, <laughs> I know, I know. It's not like, let me, let me try to like dance around this and then I can kind of figure out thoughts and like change my mind, learn more about why I'm thinking in that way. And, and we've discussed and shared so many different stories, experiences, points of view on all kinds of topics that is more important. I think to the human learning experience, like have conversations, what is important to you? And like the two of you do talk about, I loved that the little story about going to the sex shop for the first time. Like that, like guys, I don't really experience that, but you know what guys do lack is communication about... But I think, hold up, but, like, do you guys actually talk about the the type of sex you're having in the bedroom? Like, that's where, like, Alyssa and I have had those sort of conversations of, like, what do you like? What don't you like? Like, hey, like, my my sex life is getting boring. Like, how can I spice it up with my, my partner? And we'll sit down and kind of, like, I don't know. I don't want to say collab, but, like, um... <laughs> So spit ideas together, brainstorm. <laughs> brainstorm. That's the word I was looking for. So like, do you, do guys, and I ask this as like a genuine com- mm-hmm. like uh, question, do guys have those sort of conversations of like, Hey, like, you know, my spouse didn't, I don't know. I got a weird vibe after we were done having sex the other night. Like, like, you know, let me explain the situation. Can I get your feedback? Do you guys have those open conversations with each other? Or is it just like, Oh yeah, I had good sex. And like, you know, it was missionary or whatever. Like, so no, but sort of, yes. So okay. we, we talk about it, but. We will always talk about it in in the same way that like I was explaining how shame works. Like some people can talk about having a bunch of bodies. Some people it's not for them. I feel like, or at least in all my relationships with, with males and all my conversations with those, it's like, we don't need to learn. Like 
we know that coming feels good. So we'll just tell each other about, you know, what made us come. And, and like, that's the stories. And in through that, and this is why it's kind of a yes, is like, we'll explain, like, we'll talk about like, oh yeah, this position felt really good. But we also like, you know, I have a couple friends that like doggy or nothing. Like, mm. I, I'm not going to come if I don't do doggy at some point. And then like, I'm honestly not the biggest fan of doggy. Like, it's not really for me. I, I don't dislike it. It's like, it's cool, but like, it's just as good as you know, missionary. So like, I don't really care. Whatever is kind of in the moment. I, I more so like to the free flowing of it. Just like wherever, if the position kind of he- ends up where like, you know, you're in that thing and you could just quickly adjust and switch positions. Sure. Great. Let, let's do doggy. Like, it doesn't matter. I'll probably come quicker, but like, that makes them come really quick. and mm-hmm. Or, like, that's the only way they can come. For me, yeah, I don't know. I like different things. I, I try it out. But, like, we'll explain that. So, like, before I ever did doggy or before – yeah, but let's just keep it basic. Before I ever did doggy, it was through my friends that were like, oh, dude. You should try this. Dude, this is the only way I can come now. It's like, all right. So that's how, that's mm. That probably sounds way closer than I would like to believe. Yo, dude, I did doggy. It was fucking good. I, dude, I won't come any other way. And I, and then like in my brain, I go, oh, all right. So um, I guess next, I can try that next time. Yeah, next time I'll I'll uh, try to work it in. I'll yeah. find a, and and maybe like if I actually am really curious about it, I'll ask Voice the question. That. Be like, so how did you get from missionary to that? And it's like, so yeah, we we'll we'll talk about it. But it's like we're not trying to learn from it. We're not mm, actually trying okay. to. We know that we'll we'll figure it out in the bed like. There's no deep dive. Yeah. 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 But, but, but I think like, but I think sex is also different for guys versus girls. And not yuck. not not in physically. Not, exactly. Girl. Like like girls need the workup. Like we need that like we need that foreplay and that that extra stimulation of like the caressing, the touching, the sex conversation. Coming soon. Yes. <laughs> but like we need that sort of stuff versus like guys don't necessarily need that. Like you could be ready at the flip of a flip of a hat. Like your girl mm-hmm. could take her clothes off or you're like not saying that women aren't that like some women are that way in, in some aspects. Absolutely. But and like guys are that way too. But exactly. And it's like and I know that there are also some guys that are like I like I need the workup, like I need the the caressing, the touching and everything like that as well. So like, I think it's so interesting to hear that perspective of like, guys don't necessarily always like have that, like you talk about it, but it's never like as in depth as like girls are like, Oh, Hey, like I was really having a hard time getting going the other night. Like, what do you do in those situations when you just can't get out of your own head? Like we've had those open dialogues of like, how do you, how do I come back? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Think about the way you guys were talking about porn earlier. I purposely didn't interject because for guys, We'll talk about porn. We're usually making fun of each other, like laughing at okay. what kind of porn we like. A porn for guys is a lot of shame. Yeah, it feels good. It gets us going. We come and then shame, 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 shame. Honestly, even if you're not watching porn, usually when you masturbate, you feel shame. And you guys can mm. kind of freely talk about it. It's like, oh, these are the kind of things I like. These are the things I like. And, you know, I think it's just kind of male banter where, like, I'll be like, oh, I'm into this right now or like these are the videos I've been watching or this porn star I really like and like well we might tease each other like dude she has no tits or something like Mm. okay whatever like we know that doesn't matter like we know what we are into and we just like to have fun but like we don't really care what our friends are into um but like if we're talking about it a lot of it is like 
we're just going to jump into forcing down the shame down your throat, which I love. That's why I'll talk about it with my guy friends, like the kind of porn, uh, porn I watch because I like to, because I, I beat myself up way too easily all the time. So I like when other people can beat me up because I'm like, dude you're throwing pillows at me like this is fun like we're having to get this a pillow like that's all you got because that's not a good thing but like i get what you're saying (laughs) feeling so shameful it doesn't feel like it's worse yes i'm like i especially when it comes to masturbation or, or watching porn i'm like dude i'm more shameful when i click on the browser and search the website incognito browser and then i jump yeah see i never knew that was like a thing like oh, I, I knew from a very early age. You know, I just clear my browser history, baby. <laughs> the government's watching okay. always. All right, so yeah. if you're concerned, if you get like a VPN because you don't want government knowing or whatever, they can track it. They still have all that information. Oh, they yeah, know, no, they mean, know it's not your that. IP address and the VPN that you're using. Like they know where you're pretending to be. Incognito and kind of the more important use of incognito because saves you one step of clearing your browser history but also for me it's like it doesn't add cookies or anything so if i yeah. type in mm. a thing not getting like, a virus like if i type in mm. pornhub and you know like my mom Apple. bars my computer the next day and wants to look up our friend peter and types in p and then pornhub comes <laughs> i know uh, absolutely just like, using incognito gets rid of that um, whole thing that's why like i work with children so sometimes i have to like i like have my computer open at work and i'm like typing things and all of a sudden it's just like all of a sudden i'm like oh my god clear 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 that should oh. be there like oh shit i'm saving that story for the other episode <laughs> <laughs> um I, I do have a question though Oh no. Brandon, have, <laughs> have you encountered with other guys that you know like a more competitive type of talk about sex? Like, oh, I just scored, da da da, like that type of. Yeah, it, we laugh at those people. Okay, well, that was what I was going to ask. Like, how do you act in I those mean, situations? Like, are you confronting them? Like, or no, do you. No, agree? I. I it's fucking. Especially at 25, and when I hear that. Um, I hear more so like, or it was definitely used a lot at like 22, 23, that, that weird confidence. Um, I think guys who fuck know they fuck and don't talk about it. Oh, absolutely. Guys who, who don't. And so like, as soon as that revelation came to me, I was like laughing. At, like, if you have to tell me about how many, the quantity of sexual explorations you've had, I'm laughing at you. If you want to tell me about like, Maybe, you know, a one night stand that you had and it was wild because you did like, you know, All these three crazy positions whatever. and you, you know, you didn't end up even coming because you were too drunk or like something silly story. Like that's a funny story and I'm laughing with you. Anytime someone starts to tell me, like, I don't, honestly, I don't even care. Like I, I'm not, you know, I'm honestly where my body count is and I'm not going to discuss it on this show, but I'm not even proud of where I'm at. I wish it was way less. I, it, but I didn't know that at the time. Like w- when mm-hmm. it, I was adding counts, numbers, <laughs> if you will, um, I thought that's what I wanted. And now I'm looking back, I'm like, I wish I didn't have that perception. So like, even if guys tr- are telling the truth and you know bragging about how many explorations they have, I'm like, I'm laughing at them because I'm like, you you're 23 and you don't even know what two years will do to you. You might have the opposite roughly. Maybe you'll keep pursuing that whole mm, idea. Till you're 34. Till you're 30, 34. Oh, God bless. Good, good for you, man. If, if that works for you, hey, live that life. But, like, I always kind of looked at that, like, what do you... And, and it goes back to my, you know, traditional point of view. I truly did want um, 
I don't know if we talked about this on the on the last episode, but um, I really wanted to um, be married by twenty three and mm-hmm. have my first kid by twenty five. I think you talked about. It. I don't know if I, I shared. Know, I mine. think yeah. I think so I, I think you and I had talked about it on on an episode, or if not on an episode, we definitely talked about it off air. But like we've had that like open dialogue of like I thought the same thing. I thought by the time I was twenty three, I was gonna be married with my first kid already, like yeah. on the right. way, if not already had my first I kid. Think it was like preconceived out. notion. Yeah, yeah, we definitely talked about it because I was like, no, I really like anticipated. I would be married for four years by now, five years by now. I'm yep. 26, and I'm, like, nowhere near that. I'm just starting a brand-new relationship and no babies whatsoever, and who knows what the next three years is going to look like. Yeah, so knowing that all along, and that's still something I, I believe in and I value, and I just got to change the age to, to when something Whenever. happens. Which I don't care. I'm not going to try to pick that date. Um, but I learned I've been lying to myself all this time because if I truly did want – a wife and kids by 25, I would have done what I needed to do to get there, find that special one, save myself. Like, obviously I shouldn't have sex until marriage, but like that wasn't my concept. Can I ask why that wasn't obviously? Uh, well, I think like, cause my, my vision at the time was like, I want my goal is to be traditional. I want my first girlfriend to okay. be my wife and have my kids. So the obvious answer would be the one girl is your wife and your kids. So, that's how that should have worked. Obviously, it didn't. And then I, like, you know... Uh, Hindsight, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, but, like, there is so many times that I've lied to myself. If that is still my goal, then there should be zero one-night stands in my history. Mm-hmm. I can't say that's the truth. There should be so many other, like, th- girls that I have was dating should have been a girlfriend before, I, before doing anything. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, if I was... Being truthful with myself, I would have recognized that way so much longer ago, and I probably could have been a lot closer. Maybe I'm 25 now, and I get married at 26, but, like, that's a lot closer than where I am currently at 25 with no prospects or whatever. So um, I I forgot why I started. I think growth is just, like, a big part of that, and age. Like, age maturity is, like... Actually, I shouldn't even say age. I should say experience. Um, I say age a lot, but age is not it. It's it's about the experience that you mm. go through. Wow. And like deja vu. <laughs> You've definitely yeah. said that before. I definitely have. I definitely have because I. It's not age. Like age does not matter. Like I've dated older guys, and they're some of them are way less mature than Brandon at twenty five. Like I, they're still stuck at twenty two, mm. playing video games on their couch, and just like they fuck like that's what they do versus like guys that I've met that are 25 recognizing like I don't like at 34 I want to make sure that like I'm married my kids are here like that like I'm at least working towards that goal and I'm I'm and that's that mental maturity so like it's the experience of trying to recognize where you're at and where you want to be and then how much growth that means you have to do between there between now and there right whatever that time frame is it's not a time frame thing it's an experience and a getting to know yourself kind of thing so in building off of that point exactly i don't regret my decisions or where i've got to or i don't even regret my body count like it is what it is I am actually happy that I went through that when I went through that because I was younger and now that I'm older and I can recognize what my real goal is, again, I don't. I can put like an idea like I want it around thirty, and and that's not really honing in and, and like no, because thirty thirty is ten happen. fucking years. 
Okay, so if you're happy with your body count, do you think that your perspective on body count should change or evolve? Oh, I'm not happy with, I'm just okay. I'm happy that I lived through that because it helped me recognize what I really do want. And now, because like at 22 or 23, when I was just kind of like, I was like, I know I want to have a wife and kids, but like that could happen if I just kind of fuck around and have a one night stand and, and date this girl for a little bit and not have a serious girlfriend ever for or like the longest one being three months or whatever. Like I can do whatever. Now I know I'm like, if I do want it, that style or that system or strategy that I had in place at 22 to 25 clearly doesn't work. So now I need to go about doing this a little differently. So I'm so happy. I learned that lesson. I'm so happy. I can look back and be like, not proud of it, but I'm happy that I lived that I had the experience. And now I know moving forward when I'm ready, if I'm, if I want to, pursue somebody, I am going to commit. I am not commit to the person, commit to myself because that's what I want. I want to, because if I commit to the person, then I'm not going to be the best version of myself. I'm going to be the version that they need out of me. And then I can kind of lose myself in that. So I need to know that I'm ready to commit to myself because I'm ready to finally achieve my goals and finally have that wife, have that kid and, and live that traditional, you know, life. Um, in the future, but now I know how to go about it. It's not about having one night stands or dating a little bit and kind of having like more of a friends with benefits situation. That doesn't work for me. I know that I've experienced that. I know moving forward, I am going to commit to somebody. I like, I truly anticipate like I would propose within a year. Like it, when I know, I know I'm going to know. So I, I'm ready to go full throttle, but I would just say, be careful with that because I know as a female, anyone having those conversations like I've had those conversations with the person that I'm seeing but that's because I'm done playing games and I'm at the point of like we can talk about this and if that's not your future that's fine we just part ways but like be understanding when the marriage won't happen in a year or the proposal oh, yeah, in a 100%. year like like you're talking like oh like if I know I know I, I'll propose in a year but like she may need no, longer than that I'm ready to propose within okay a year. all right it's Wait. it seemed as though you would propose within the year and it, I was like mm, you might want to pump the brakes yeah. on that because you might scare a few females especially early dates talking about that <laughs> listen I <laughs> totally I, know but no I'm gonna actually I'm gonna I'm gonna counterpoint that and play devil's advocate because I with the person I'm seeing now was very much like it was one of our first few times hanging out. And I was like, how many kids do you want? Like, I'm not fucking around when I, when I'm here and now that I'm ready, like I'm going to make sure we're on the same page. And so yeah. like, if kids are not in your picture whatsoever, then like, I'm not interested in even pursuing a friends with benefits with you. Like, I'm yeah. just not interested because in my head, if I'm willing to give you that part of me, then I'm willing to give you all of me. Yeah. So like, oh. if we're going to do that, then like, I want to know if it's serious or not. And if you're not even, if that's not even a thought for your future, then like, I'm just genuinely not interested. So him and I, in the only two and a half months we've been seeing each other have had the conversations of what, like, what does your future look like? What are your goals? What, what is, how do I fit into that? How do you fit into this? How, like, what are the things that like, how much money for, cause I know like guys are much more like money oriented. How much money do you feel like you need to make before you're going to achieve this 
goal that you want to reach of having a family? Like, what is that, what does that future look like for you? And I've been very like, you know, and he's like, okay, well, that's great. Like we've had those conversations and he's reciprocated the same things. Like, okay, look, if this is going to go forward, you need X, Y, and Z in place and I'll help you do those things. But like, we need to be working on this as a team. And that's only after two and a half months, but I think we're both just very serious about settling down. So we have no problem having those open conversations. But if you bring that to the table and someone's like, oh, I don't know if I want kids or, oh, I don't know, run run. If they immediately say, I don't know, run. That's why for me, I'm like, if you have those conversations, as soon as you meet someone, there's the expectation that you're both in this to get to the end game, which for both of you would be the end game is marriage, kids, life. Embrace the discomfort. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's so uncomfortable to have that conversation because in the back of your mind, you're fearing like, am I going to scare this person away? That's what you, that's better for you. If you do scare that person away, because they're not going to live up to your vision and your goals. But anyways, I mean, <laughs> I got distracted. I have ADHD <laughs> to the max. I think that's some great perspective. Asana. We're going to take a short break yeah. and we'll be back. All right. Welcome back. We just took a short break, but I wanted to kind of circle back to perspective and also just see what you guys have learned. Maybe this episode or this week. I know for me this week, um, I've been doing a ton of research about social media marketing, considering I'm doing that for not only table talks, but also for um, ever-changing vibes and also for uh, core entertainment. So I have been now uh, inundated with emails that are teaching me so much about the woes, no's, and yeses of email marketing. So that's been not email marketing, but just social media marketing as like a whole. I think email marketing is kind of incorporated in that because that's a social aspect. But yeah, I've just learned a ton about that. Anything for you, Brandon? Did you <laughs> learn anything this week on this episode or just uh, this week as a whole? Um, big thing that I learned is like, you know, what's important in my life and having routine and having uh, a sense of purpose that isn't my only sense of purpose. I love teaching and I've forgot how much I love being in front of students and and not only just teaching them whatever curriculum material but like engaging interacting having them like get excited when they make me laugh even if it's a little like disruptive or whatever it's like I get to have fun in those moments and and uh the biggest thing that I learned is like I all summer I thought I was career oriented and I had to focus on getting my goal of this is my full time job and mm. and now I recognize like you know there's a couple of things that I have to incorporate or change about my show in order to allow myself to continue teaching because it is technically government run I do have some things I shouldn't say or don't say um, which at first I was like, that's not what I want to do, whatever. Like these careers are so separate. I'm just going to work that to get paid. And then I'm going to keep putting out my podcast until I can quit my job. Now I'm like, I don't ever want to quit teaching. I want to always be in the classroom and then keep pursuing this, this dream on the sh- side, because I think as I learn and grow and, and pursue my passion, I'm becoming a better person that I can help portray those values, those messages. I, realize like I can have both careers and in fact not only can I I need to like and now I'm my whole world my whole perspective woo Woo. shouts um (laughs) full circle um my whole perspective has changed and and I'm really excited about this school year and also my podcast so how about you Alyssa did you learn anything this week I mean obviously male versus female gaze yeah she was the one that did all our show notes still learning um (laughs) obviously but I think that and 
how to have a tough conversation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that seems like a really good place to wrap. So thank you guys for uh, listening in on Table Talks. And you can find us at tabletalks.podcast on Instagram. And we're working on other social media sites as well. So those are in the works and coming soon.